Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the Double Switch Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Butler, and on the other side of the recording is Michael Buckenroth, as usual. You can follow us on Twitter, at DadSox, and Michael is at BearsFan5233. Subscribe to the podcast Twitter account, at DoubleSwitchPod, but this is episode four. Unfortunately, we missed the last two weeks, which a lot of it was due to scheduling and personal issues, So, but we are glad to be back. We are glad to finally pick up the podcast again and there's been a lot that's gone on but before we get into the news how are you doing tonight michael i'm doing good yeah i just wanted to tell the fans that we're, we're sorry for missing it but we're gonna have a a filled episode today with some some fantasy advice so thank you guys for sticking with us and we uh will try not to miss any more time hey and also, you got your new microphone in, so we should have some even better audio for everyone. So that's, yep. a, that's a perk of us missing an episode, <laughs> is that we've got absolutely better audio for you guys. Yeah, we've and, got some new equipment. <laughs> but I'm super excited to get into a lot of it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bad news, but there's a lot that we can hopefully provide to you in replacement of injuries and sickness. But... Uh, why don't we get into the biggest thing that happened over this last week, which was the Indians uh, ended up putting the putting Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesek on the restricted list. They sent them home for 72 hours to self-quarantine after being caught, uh, after being out late one night and discovering that they were out with friends. They'd gone out on the town a little bit for dinner and things like that. And now they've been optioned to the alternate site. And this was huge because Zach Plesak even took to Instagram and tried explaining away his whole deal that it was fine. It was less than 10 people, even though he admitted that he knew the MLB had certain protocols and he still chose to ignore them. Uh, what are your feelings on this, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like it's just really um which wasn't a good situation for them, especially like we were talking about before we started the podcast, just like with, with having a player like Carlos Carrasco on your team that was just dealing with cancer not that long ago. I just feel like it's just really, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, childish almost yeah. to, to, to do this. I mean, I get it. These players need to have lives and, you know, but maybe just for this year, they should just hunker down and, Let's, what are we almost halfway through the season already, right? We're at yeah. almost 25 games. Yeah. Well, not, well, for the most part, most teams the, have played yeah. close to 30. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you're almost there. Just fight it off again for a couple more months, you know, and just, then you can go out and do whatever you want. But when you're risking somebody else with having them on your team that already has issues, I just feel like it's just not the right move. And it is, it is a bad look. Like it's not great. Yeah. And the, 
Well, and the biggest issue, too, is the fact that Plesak and Clevenger both basically doubled down. Plesak took to Instagram and was all just, oh, well, we did it following CDC rules. And <laughs> we were everybody was there. We got back late. And the media is making us evil. It's like, but here's the thing. I can't go to my job and swear at a customer or swear at my boss and just go first amendment. It's fine. I can use my freedom of speech. There's rules at your jobs. And he specifically knew, Hey, MLB put in new protocols. He admitted to it. And that was, that was the hardest part, but rest of season, they're so hard to value because of the fact that we don't know when they're coming back up. And if, I mean, obviously Clevenger's going to go back to the rotation, you figure, but Plesak, they have Adam Plutko, who they can keep in there. Obviously, Aaron Savali is doing really well. Shane Bieber is absolutely on fire. <laughs> if you had a share of Zach Plesak, what would you be doing with him right now in a redraft? In a redraft, I would, uh, man, <laughs> I, I would, I would hold him for one more week just to see if something maybe gets cleared out. Because, I mean, just last the last podcast, he was my start of the week. So like, you know, I, I really, me personally want to hold on because he's pitching lights out. So I'd give him one more week, maybe see if the Indians will clear up what they might do with him. And if still no, no uh, um, decision on what they're going to do, I would, I would get rid of him in a redraft for sure. But don't touch him in a dynasty, you know, like <laughs> keep him, keep him for sure. But redraft, I would give it one more week to see if maybe there's some clearance on what's going to happen with him for sure and then i mean i would keep him if they're going to bring him back after like a week but if it's no word i would get rid of him what about you john well and the biggest thing too is that there's a lot of talk that if the indians keep them down long enough they can lose well the players would lose a year of service time basically putting them to uh giving the team another year of control over them so I don't, I figured there, I think it was August 22nd. They have to wait till to at least have them back and get that extra year. Mm. And that's what I was reading at least. And it's, I would hold on to him as well, just because police has been so good. And if they do call him back up and they go, okay, you're back in the rotation, obviously. Okay, perfect. He's back where he was. He gets to get that chance and the Indians want to win while they have, Lindor still on their team and as much as I hate what he did if you really need him I obviously keep him and if you're in a shallow league I would drop him to stream but deeper leagues obviously hold at this point yeah it's just it's hard to see this type of mentality especially with how good he was if he was bad or you can go okay whatever toss him off to sign it doesn't matter but (laughs) It's definitely it's make sure call. for players that are um, in like a plug and then play rest of the week. Make sure you take him out of your lineups because he ain't pitching this week. Yeah. I don't, regardless of whatever happens, I don't see him pitching this week. So make sure for everybody that's out there listening, if you have a lineup where you basically plug in Monday morning and play out the whole week, make sure you take him out of those lineups. And mentioning watching schedules as well is we have the Cincinnati Reds who did have a positive test. And right now that was due to COVID. Uh, and the biggest thing is we don't know how bad it's going to get. We've seen the explosions in the locker rooms of the Cardinals and of the Marlins. 
I'm hoping that the Reds have this one. That's it. They don't have to lose a lot of games or postpone a lot of games. Because like we talked about last time with the Cardinals, they ended up, because of all the delays they had, they have to play 55 games in 43 days. And that basically (laughs) started yesterday with the White Sox in their doubleheader. And they've got their doubleheader tomorrow against the Cubs and then one on Wednesday as well. So it's... I kind of want to talk about the Cardinals real quick before we talk about the Reds. But honestly, if you have any Cardinals hitters or any are available, go grab them. I would absolutely snap them up, especially uh, Dylan Carlson, who was recently called up. Big name there. I'd put him right up there with Joe Adele for the ceiling for this year. A lot of power, a lot of speed could bring that. And especially playing so many games, a lot of them may come in your playoff push or even in your playoffs where – all right, I've te- technically got four more starts than the other person just because Carlson or any of my other Cardinals hitters are going to play eight games this week instead of five. So, yeah. And I agree with that too. Um, my advice is if you have Harrison Bader, get rid of him immediately because he can't hit the ball to save his life. Um, and pick up Tyler O'Neill if you can because I feel like um, I would hope at least eventually they're just like, okay, Harrison, yeah, great defender. Don't get me wrong. One of the better ones defensively, but he can't hit the ball at all. And Tyler O'Neill has always been that guy that they just, I feel like, won't give a chance to. You know, like it's like the Kyle Tucker situation. Like, I know they've given Kyle Tucker a chance so far, and he's hitting like, Finally. Yeah, and I know he's like hitting 200, but still, like, I just feel like, Ty- like Tyler O'Neill hit a big homer this weekend. And Bader, once again, didn't do anything. So it's like maybe moving forward, they'll push Tyler O'Neill in the lineup more. So I personally would get rid of Bader because unless you – I mean, there's not really leagues that – for defense. Do you know I mean? There's some assistance, yeah, I guess. very few. But, but I'm saying I would much rather have Tyler O'Neill than Harrison Bader, and I would get rid of him as soon as I could. And the fact that Dexter Fowler's still out there doing his thing too. I mean, it, it should be – O'Neal, whoever you want to throw in center, and Dylan Carlson in right, yeah. or I mean any any which way you want to do it. Yeah, you could have Dylan Dylan Carlson in right field, or even in center if you wanted. I think Bader still stays in the lineup. I think Fowler's probably the guy that yeah should get the bench. But I mean the Cardinals are going to do what they want. But obviously, hold all your Cardinals, grab them up if you can. And Fowler's actually having a better year than I realized. That's what I was about to ask. Three eighteen average, three forty eight on base. Okay. I was going to say to you, who would you rather have rest of the year, (laughs) Harrison Bader uh, or Dexter Fowler? Yeah, at this point, Fowler. I mean, considering the Cardinals need the offense, it's not like they have a stellar uh, run scoring team at this point. So yeah, I would. I'd take Fowler. Put uh, Carlson in center field. We've seen Bellinger there, so I think Carlson can do it. Yeah, I agree. And that's just something that I would do personally. I I don't know. I've been uh, dinged up on Harrison Bader now for like two years, and I'm just sick of it because he just – you feel like he has it, and then every year he just like doesn't have it. And then the yeah. next year when you're drafting, you're like deep, and you're like, hmm, Harrison Bader, huh? He could finally break out. Please. (laughs) Yeah, he could finally do it. Let's do it. And then he does exactly what he does every year. So That's how I felt last year going into the season. I had – I think I picked up uh, Harrison Bader 
off the waiver wire in a dynasty league in the off season. And I, I was so close. I held him for a little while, just sitting on it, hoping, hoping, hoping. I was just like, screw it. You know what? He's gone. He's done. It's, it sucks, but uh, it's, yeah, it, the Cardinals team could be exciting if they put out the right lineups. Yeah, I agree. I think they could too. And stop playing Matt Carpenter as much. That would be nice. <laughs> and just keep playing Tommy Edmond at third. Yeah, it would be nice if they would do it. But why don't we get into some of the injuries? Because this last oh, yeah. week was absolutely brutal. Why don't you start off with the first one with Jordan Alvarez? Yeah, I mean, it was a big deal. He was coming back, you know, returning to action. And he hits that huge homer on Saturday. And you're like, because I think that was his first at bat back, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And you're, right like, oh, first he, you're like, oh, here it is. Here he comes. And then, of course, Sunday comes around. He gets scratched out of the lineup for knee discomfort. Well, I mean, are you concerned? What are, you, what are your feelings about Jordan for the rest of season? The rest of season, I'm concerned about it because he's played all of one game and – He's got the, – the knee was a thing going back to last year as well where, okay, and it's not like he's really in the field very much, so he's not putting himself out there like an Eloy Jimenez and crashing into walls or things like that. And he's 23. It, it's not like he's heavy, but the rest of the season it concerns me. Obviously, the Astros have a pretty deep lineup. They don't have to force him in there every day. And – for the guy that's 23, I'm hoping he can stay healthy. He's exciting, but be prepared for this. And especially in Dynasty, I, as good as he is, I would try and package him and get somebody that's a little bit more proven because the fact that he's not in the field now and he's got the knee injuries, it's only going to get worse if they take him out of DH and try and throw him in left field. And it's, it scares me as good yeah. as the bat is. I, he's got the hype around him. I would try and sell him in a dynasty. Obviously in redraft, you hold him and see, see what you get out of him. He may end up going to the IL, but it's definitely concerning. And if there's, if you had a replacement for him, who would you be looking at? Um, well, we're going to talk about a couple later on in the show, but I mean, like Teoscar Hernandez, Dominic Smith, Anthony Santander or Santander, 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 Santander. Yeah. Uh, those those three guys, especially like this week, had huge weeks, and I, I those are three guys that I would look at maybe picking up if you have Jordan and you don't. I mean, uh, I don't know if I would drop him though. You know, that would be tough to drop him because especially because. I mean, where was he going in drafts? Can you look that up? Uh, Jordan Alvarez. He was going within the top 30 or 40, I believe. I know that much. He was a pretty high pick because of what what he did last year, regardless of his playoff struggles. Uh, He was was definitely up there, and it's it's a brutal hit. As much as you want him to be great – it's, it just hasn't happened for him because of that health. So rest of the season, obviously try and hold them on your bench, but in those are just be, three guys. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And we'll talk about Santander and Dominic Smith. Tiasca Hernandez. Most people know he's a streaky player can win you a week can absolutely kill you, but he's, he's on fire right now. And in the short season, he's great, but Santander and Dominic Smith, we'll talk about later. Yep, definitely. And then we have another one that uh, just happened today. 
Bo Bichette, he said he felt something wrong with his knee and he's now undergoing an MRI. And just right before we started the podcast, um, they were saying that it actually is worse than they originally expected. Yeah, and they're so, they're predicting about mid September as a return, which by that point most of most leagues are either done or very close to done. Yeah. So in redrafts, if you have the IL spot, I'd keep him. If you don't, and you're really hurting for a uh, spot, you could drop him. It's going to be tough, I know, because of what he's provided in value this year. But you may have to make that tough call just because of how good he is. It's it's tough to really leave him on your bench. Yeah, I completely agree. So if, say, someone has Bo, uh, is there a couple of people that you would recommend to go take a look at, see if they're there to pick up? Yeah. Uh, for me, in this order, I'd look at Willie Adamas, Dylan Moore, and Nick Ahmed. Willie Adamas, not anything flashy for the Tampa Bay Rays, but he can hit the hell out of the ball. He's probably going to provide you about a 250 average, some power, very little speed. But we all know the Rays are a sneaky offense. And then Dylan Moore has been one of my favorite pickups recently, too. Just he's he's come he's come out of nowhere, providing power and speed. The batting average has fluctuated a decent amount, but he's on a Mariners team that has been fairly decent at offense this year compared to the past and then Nick Ahmed has hit for average over the last two weeks so uh, the Diamondbacks offense seems to be heating up he's a shortstop that you can grab and plug into your shortstop or middle infield position at this point yeah I really wish they would stop putting him at the nine spot but <laughs> that's that's the hard part with Ahmed is because he's not a great hitter and they've they've usually batted him eighth or ninth when they did have the uh, no DH. He was always at the bottom of the order, and yeah. I think he stays there. Oh, but I don't think he you, moves up either, but I just no. would be nice. It would be, but that's why I like Dylan Moore. He's batting at the uh, top of the Mariners lineup behind, or sorry, in front of Kyle Lewis. Yeah. So I like that spot. And then Adamas is usually in the five or six hole for the Tampa Bay Rays a decent amount. So he's, mm-hmm. he's going to have his RBI chances. Yeah, so you should be able to um, – maybe somewhat survive the Bichette injury. We have one more to talk about, and this one's a big one too. Yeah. Uh, DJ LeMayu. That was a big one, and he sprained his left thumb. The last time that he sprained it, he missed almost three weeks, and he, there he, was at Col- uh, he was with Colorado at that point. And, I mean, the fact that I know my dynasty league, we are only playing six regular season weeks. So him missing three weeks would put him right at the start of our fantasy playoffs. If I've got him, I'm going to try and hold him. If you've obviously got the IL spot, absolutely toss him on there since he did hit the injured list. But what would you do if you have DJ LeMayhew just because he's been a big part of that Yankees offense? Yeah, I would do exactly what you just said. I mean, if you have um, another IL spot that you can throw him on, how it is. I, there's just not, I don't see how you can get rid of him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you don't have the IL spot, I mean, there's a couple people that you could look at, like maybe like an Asdrubal Cabrera, a Chris Taylor, or a John Birdie, which John Birdie, actually surprising. He's usually just like a speed guy, you know, mm-hmm. but he's getting on, getting on bases, which is perfect for speed guys. Um, but like I said, I would personally, if I have the IL spot, throw him on there, obviously for sure. 
and it would take a lot out of me to just straight drop him if I didn't have it. But like you said, missing three weeks, how much, I mean, we have what, three more, four more weeks of baseball? Uh, we've Fantasy? got, well, we've, well, it depends on your league because obviously uh, we they'll play to the end of September. So we've got about six weeks left of fantasy, but all depending on how your league has it set up. Roto, you obviously hold him, but because he's hitting over 400 so far, you yeah. keep DJ LeMahieu whatever chance possible, but it's possible you got hit with both Bichette and <laughs> LeMahieu at this point just because of the way the draft plays out. LeMahieu was a top 100-120 pick. So you may have both of these, and it's if That's I'm just sitting a terrible between story. those two, I'm probably <laughs> dropping. I'm dropping Bichette first, just because he's got the longer timeline, and I agree. Who knows, Lemayhu may come back early, but mm-hmm. if you have Lemayhu, try and hold him whatever you can. And if you don't have an IL spot in your league, talk to your commissioner and get that the hell in there, <laughs> especially in this year, because there's no reason you should. Yeah, have especially it. with this crazy year, <laughs> you should at least get two. I think I have – how many do you have in your league? I, I think I have two. My home dynasty league, we actually voted it in this last offseason uh, before this whole COVID thing, and we went to unlimited. We went to unlimited uh, IR spots, So, as, but as soon as they come off, they have to be off within 24 hours. So it's not like you can really stash somebody for a week and try and trade, but for the most part, none of us really res- uh, put – really crappy players on the injured list. If it's somebody that's a prospect, sure, we'll toss them there. But for the most part, our league doesn't go out and just grab injured guys and toss them on there in hopes of trading them because they have no value. So I I love the unlimited. It's really nice for when you get killed like I have recently with Strasburg (laughs) and Birdie and Roberto Ozuna and Will Smith and Ronald Cunha Jr. It's like, oh, Uh, Ronald Cunha, yeah. (laughs) That that sucks too. Yeah, that's but I feel like he's going to be back right when he can be. And yeah, they said that's a pretty short stint for them. It's just mostly to get another guy there, and hopefully this will let him get his mind right and get into a good spot and be ready for the rest of the season when he comes back. Yep. And then I have one more piece of just my personal news. Um, I'm a huge Alex Reyes fan. I know he's had his pretty much downs not I mean he had a couple ups but mostly downs but it was really nice to see him make his debut um, on Saturday and he struck out the side and his stuff looked really good I mean he was throwing 98 99 I don't know if you're a huge Alex Reyes fan but what do you think I've never been a huge fan on him obviously (laughs) I I always subscribe to teen stop which is there is no such thing as a pitching prospect I loved what he could do I originally saw it and was like cool this guy could be awesome and then injuries just derailed him and especially i think one of his first ones wasn't shoulder injury wasn't it yes yeah and that's shoulder injuries with pitchers it usually either throws them off and they become bad or it takes them so long to recover from it so i'm hoping uh, he was on prospect list for so long because he never hit that 50 pitch mark or innings pitch mark so i'm hoping he can actually evolve into the pitcher that we thought he could even if he's a nasty bullpen arm i think that would be awesome but yeah i mean imagine that bullpen healthy imagine a healthy alex reyes and a healthy jordan hicks like that's like so much speed 
right then oh and there. God, the just that, I mean, every team has their velocity nowadays, but yeah. especially those two guys with the movement out of the bullpen, good luck hitting it just because <laughs> it's just, it, it'd be nice to see him actually be great. It's not like the Cardinals are terrible for bullpen help, but the more depth you have, the better. 100%. And so that's it for news this week. Uh, we're going to move on to studs and duds. So uh, I do see uh, we were talking a little bit about it. I know John's a huge fan of his stud. Why don't you go ahead and say who your stud is? Juan Soto. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, I waited so long for him to debut this year. He, it's not like he had a slow start, but this last week he absolutely just killed the fucking ball. 12 hits and 26 at-bats, 12 runs, 5 home runs, 12 RBIs, and a stolen base. And the best part about this was he set his career home run record distance at 463 feet to start the week, broke it two days later with a home run off Robert uh, Gazelman of the Mets at 466 feet, and he was just absolutely on fire this week. Even though the Nationals lost to the Orioles a couple of times, which... What the hell is with those Orioles? But Juan Soto was an absolute stud this week, just doing everything you you obviously drafted him for. And it's <laughs> I'm all over a 500 on base. I was absolutely excited to see him kill it every day. I mean, he's literally the best hitter in baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's, I can mean, you name I, another I, one? Trout. <laughs> I still give it to ah, Trout. The dude do you is, I mean... He's that been guy. so good ever since coming back from his uh, his paternity leave. Trout has been so damn good. I still yeah. love I love Juan Soto, but Trout is still so much better. I uh, was watching something on MLB Network, and it was showing uh, stats after players have had kids for the first time. Uh, they come back and they just crush the ball, and they were they were showing Mike Trout, and it was really cool to see that stat. But yeah, yeah so. It's- <laughs> <laughs> so who's my your start of the week? Yeah, so my start of the week, he he had one start this week, but I'm kind of bleeding that into last week since we didn't have the podcast. And that's Dylan Bundy. I mean, this week he had seven innings, only one walk, 10 Ks. And then his last two starts combined, only two walks with 20 strikeouts and one earned run. And that was a solo shot. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, if he's not injured, he has a stuff. And right now, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but I mean, he's leading the MLB in whip at 0.63. Yeah. And it's this is another case of the Baltimore Orioles can't do anything with pitching prospects. And I know I play in a lot of dynasty leagues, and I know there's a lot of hype for DL Hall and a couple other pitchers in their organization, like Grayson Rodriguez. But I refuse to believe in the Baltimore Orioles until they actually goddamn do something with it because they've just been so bad at it. You look at Ubaldo Jimenez, you look at obviously now Dylan Bundy, it's a short season or short sample size so far, but he's been so good in 28 so good. innings, 157 ERA. It's insane to see him just mm-hmm. leave, leave the Orioles and become this guy that everyone was hoping for for the longest time. Yeah, so he's that's I mean that's my stud, like I said, kind of bleeding in to the last two weeks. And now we're gonna go to the duds, who is someone that is just literally and you might not have any stock in him, but he's just literally killing every one of the teams that he's on. Who's your stud, John? 
My or you mean my dud? My yeah, dud is Chris Paddock. A lot of guys were really excited for him this year because, and I was too. I'll fully admit, I thought he was going to take a leap this year, considering how many times the Padres limited his innings. He was usually at the five innings pitched, five point one, five and a th- five and two thirds, but he could never get that quality start. And I'm like, okay, going into this season, even though he's. Uh, even though we have the short season, he should still get six, seven innings a lot of the times. He really hasn't done it this year, and I know he's a two-pitch pitcher. He doesn't really use, I believe it's his changeup a whole lot. Uh, I'll look that up as I talk here, but this last week, he went three innings pitched, six hits, six earned runs, three of them being home runs as well, (laughs) one walk and one strikeout, and eight of his 13 batted ball events Uh, had exit velocities of 97 miles per hour or over, and I believe five of them were 100 miles an hour or over. Some of them turned into outs, and that Padres defense behind him obviously helped. But when he can't get through the order a second or third time, it's going to hurt his value. And I, I fully believe he can become awesome if he can develop that third pitch. But right now it's similar to... Chris Archer of the Rays back in the day. Awesome stuff, absolutely nasty, but when you don't have that third pitch you can consistently go to, guys can sit on it, especially say your fastball's not working that night or you don't have the control. They can sit on your off-speed pitch or your breaking ball and absolutely just crush it because they can see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's his, yeah, he uses a, his curveball, that's what it is. He uses or you can have a trash can. Time. <laughs> yeah, right. Or you can have a trash can and be banged on and wait for the off-speed pitch. <laughs> yeah. It, it's So he's got he's his four-seamer and his changeup that he uses a ton. But his curveball is what kills him. He only uses it 10% of the time. And his cutter he very rarely uses as well. So, I mean, if his changeup is off one night or he doesn't have the feel for it, everybody sits on the heater and he just gets crushed. It's unfortunate, but... I'm off Paddock for the rest of this year. Dynasty leagues, I'd try and buy low because he still has the stuff. But other than that, I'm I'm really nervous about owning him. A little bit off subject, but what do you think about Denelson Lamette's start? Oh, it's I'm I'm really surprised how great he's been, but the control seems to be there compared to the last couple of years. And shit, are you it, buying it's it or are you owning. selling it? I'm buying it. The fact that he's not giving up hits right now, he's got 36 strikeouts to eight walks. I'm absolutely buying it on Denelson Lamette. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've... I mean, and he's faced some decent lineups. Even when he faced the Dodgers, he only had two strikeouts, but two walks and two hits. And that was 5.2 innings. If you're in a quality start league, it's tough because he's only gone two quality starts out of his five but it's mostly due to innings and his high pitch count. So pitch count, abso- yeah. <laughs> give me Lamette if you get, if you get the chance to buy him though. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, so my dud is, and this is someone that I will give you all the credit. You told me earlier the start of this whole season to maybe try to find another catcher, but it's Wilson Contreras. I mean, this week alone, he's my starting catcher <laughs> and he went one hit at a 19 at bats a 0.293 OPS, no homers, and he struck out uh, nine times. I'm, I'm done. I mean, it sucks because catching is so bare. Like, I don't know where I'm going to go, but yeah. – and I might not be done. I'm just saying that because I'm sick of 
him being garbage. Um, but, and it's so crazy. Like, I don't know how he can even be garbage. Like, he is right in the middle of that Cubs lineup. It's like, the Cubs are playing great baseball, but it's just not him. You know, I'm not saying he, I mean, he had, a, I think, a good first week. And then after that, it's just been like, Strike, strike out or strike out. So, and that's I mean, what's been hard with him is he's always a guy that strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk as much. I mean, even last year, 102 strikeouts to 38 walks, so decent uh, strikeout to walk rate. But this year, it's 27 strikeouts to four. So the pace definitely is not there compared to last year. I don't yeah. know what it is with him. I've I've never been a huge believer in him. It's kind of like Gary Sanchez of potentials all there, but something's missing and I can't tell you what exactly, but Contreras, he was on that heater to start the year. I mean, mm-hmm. even what, uh, three weeks ago, he hit for 381 and a 1.220 OPS. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of runs or RBIs that week, but he hit well. But if you're looking for a replacement catch, right, I'm honestly look at Pedro Severino. <laughs> I wouldn't straight up drop Contreras for him. No, but the dude's on a heater. I Severino, I lost Will Smith to injury this week, and Severino's been hot. I know it's just a heater, I know it's going to fall off at some point, but take the production while it's there in this short. Yeah, season. why not ride it? I mean, especially because <laughs> he might have another two more good weeks, and that might get you into the playoffs. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter coming back at me as for Severino because I said pick him up or other players at times. They're like, well, it's a small sample size and it's a short season and 162 games. They're never great. It's, this whole season is a small sample size, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't care that yeah. we're only playing 60 games. That means that anyone could hit 400. Look at Charlie Blackman. The dude oh, is man. absolutely out of his mind. Yeah. And there are plenty of other players, too. But mm-hmm. you take what you can get and you just ride the hot hand. At least that's how I'm treating redraft leagues this year. I completely agree. So before we get in, that's the look of this last week. Before we get to the look ahead for the coming week, let's hear a word from our sponsor. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back we are. We have the rest of the show. We've got our pickups for our hitters and our pitchers, and then we have our drops for the week, guys that you shouldn't be holding on to for the rest of the year. It's tough, but whether it's they just are great and everything says they should not 
outperform their peripherals and they're going to come back to earth or they've just been killing you. We'll get to those. But let's start with our pickups. I'm going to toss it over to you, Mike, for your first pickup of the week. Who is it? And I have, I'm going to fully support you on this one if it is who I think it is. Yeah, so my first pickup is going to be um, – I know and it's it's going to help out a lot because somebody in the lineup just got hurt, and that's Asdrubal Cabrera. Um, Starlin Castro went down with – I think it was an, a wrist injury. Yeah, it was his left wrist. Yeah, and so I know Asdrubal was getting a lot of time anyways because I, I don't know if they fully believe in Carter Keeboom. I mean, doesn't seem like it. He's still getting playing time a lot. Mm-hmm. But now he's even going to get even more playing time with Castro going down. So that's someone that I've already had in my on my team because he's had an okay year. But I just feel like now, with the time frame of him being of Castro being hurt, is someone that I'm definitely going to go pick up. I mean, he has four homers and 14 RBIs already this year. Uh, and it, what do you think it, about him? I love that pickup. That's a great one. The fact that he has the position eligibility that I know we always uh, we always put out there, but he's not just flexible. He's played really, really well this year. And it's funny because of the fact that over the weekend, I actually did a uh, blind player comparison and put up two players. It was him and Carlos Correa. And ev- about 80% of the votes came in for player A without knowing who it was. And it's because of the fact that he's hitting the ball well. He's obviously having a career year in slugging, but uh, everything says he should stick with it. He's only striking out, I think, 9% or striking out 13% of the time, walking 9%. And I'm actually finding here it is. So here are the two stats for the players. Player A walks 9% of the time, strikes out 13, 261 BABIP. So that's a little low. 387 weighted on base and 90 miles per hour exit velocity versus player B who walks a little bit more strikes out about 8% more has a 400 BABIP, but then an 89 X 89 mile per hour exit velocity velocity. And that was as Drupal Cabrera and Carlos Correa. And it officially ended at 80.2% on player a without knowing who it was. So, and nothing really says he should regress. Maybe the power comes back considering he's never hit the ball for this much isolated power, but he's so good in that uh, Nationals lineup. And even though they called up Luis Garcia, Ezdrubal Cabrera is a perfect guy because you can play him at second, at third, and sometimes outfield depending on the platform that you're on. Yeah, and if I if I don't, I mean, I feel like I voted for player A on your Twitter too. So, Most likely. <laughs> who do you who would you go out and pick up right now if you could? For me, my first one is going to be Anthony Santander that we talked about earlier. So far on the season, he is at twelve runs. Actually, let me make sure because I had the filter on earlier to make sure I don't have it on uh, just the last fourteen <laughs> days or something. Yeah, so on the season, there we go, 17 runs, 7 home runs, 22 RBIs. But the last week, he's had uh, 7 runs, 4 home runs, 10 RBIs, over 300 batting average. But the biggest thing with him is uh, his K rate's down from to 9% from 21 point, or down, uh, let me start over on that one. His K rate is down 9% from 21% last year to 12.8 this year. And it's a fairly stable rate at this point because 
when it comes to sticky stats, the K rate is the first thing that's usually stabilizes in a year. And he's already had his 60 plate appearances. So if he can keep it close to the 10% versus 20, I think his batting average is going to rise up. His BABIP is a little bit low at 246. And I mean, honestly, he's batting uh, 271 on the year. He may be able to get up to that 300 mark or even 290 if he gets a little bit more luck. And the best part of it is he's not hitting a ton of ground balls. He's only at 29% for that. So he's raised his launch angle. He's able to get the ball in the air more, which obviously you want to do. We've seen guys like Christian Yelich, once they add a little bit more loft to their swing, they're able to drive the ball. They're able to get the home runs, have those ground ball singles turn into opposite field doubles or to the gap triples every once in a while. And Santander, as weird as it is to say that the Orioles are playing well, that offense has been really good. So go ahead and grab Anthony Santander for your outfield. You won't regret it. There's yeah, no, no regression insight for him. No, that's a definitely a solid pickup. I definitely would um, do that. Another outfielder, which is my second person that I would go pick up, another kind of the same way as, as Cabrera. He's going to get some time because Stanton and Judge just went down. <laughs> And that's Clint Frazier. I mean, we have a guy that has always been that bigger prospect. Um, and he's once kind of like the Kyle Tucker we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Never really fully gets um, a good, like, lot of time. So I think he's going to get it now. And I mean, I mean, we, he's already, he had 11 at bats already this year, seven hits, two homers, and eight RBIs. So, I mean, that's somebody that I would go out and pick up as soon as I can because I see him getting plenty of at-bats the rest of the year until the guys come back from injury, which might not be too long. But at least maybe this next week, I think Clint Frazier is going to have the opportunity to have a big week. Well, and what's crazy is he hits the ball hard. And like you said, he's in that Kyle Tucker mold of really good, should get the at-bats. Nobody wants to give him the at-bats. I don't know why. And it's, I get his defense sucks, but the fact that he hasn't been able to slot into a DH position or a team hasn't traded for him to be a DH is crazy because he's got pretty good. I mean, even the last few years, he hits the ball hard, 36, 40% in his seasons that he's played a lot. And so he hits the ball hard. He's got the power, not a lot of speed. But I'm glad to see him get his chance. It sucks that it comes at the expense of Judge and Stanton, which I honestly thought in a 60-game season we could see both of them. I guess I was wrong (laughs) once again because those two cannot stay healthy for whatever reason. And it's I was talking with my home league, and we all kind of saw it coming, but at the same time you thought maybe that hope of, okay, 60 games shouldn't kill anyone, but we were clearly wrong. Yeah, no, that's just somebody. Um, and then I'm looking at our notes, and I can't wait for you to talk about the next guy because the next guy is someone that I actually picked up on Monday of this week, and he had such a huge week, and I'm going to keep riding him out. Go ahead and tell me who your next guy is. Yeah, this was a guy I, I originally didn't believe in. When he originally came up for the Mets, I was not the biggest supporter of him. I thought he was maybe a 15-home run guy and a 300 average, which from first base – or even the outfield, not really great. But Dominic Smith has absolutely been killing it. 
I was able to grab him the other day after losing a couple guys to injuries. But Dominic Smith has been fantastic so far. He's actually increased his walk rate. Uh, we've only seen about 60 plate appearances. So I don't know if it'll stick, if it's going to stabilize that way. But he's hit the ball harder. He's been able to put uh, two more ticks on his exit velocities up to 90 miles per hour. So that's up there with one of uh, the higher tier of players. And then the biggest change is his hard hit rate. He's actually crushed it. He went from about 30 to 40% now. Uh, I'd love to see it stick around. The fact that he's got a little bit more loft, the fact that he's hitting the ball harder, a lot of the doubles or singles that he used to hit may turn into home runs. And even if he's sacrificing a little bit of that batting average, maybe not being a 300 hitter and Part of it is his BABIP is kind of high right now, if uh, I can remember what it is. But Dominic Smith, had, if he can turn into a 270 and 25 home runs with how weak the first base position is, I would absolutely take it, whether it's Dynasty or here. I mean, redraft, absolutely take it right now. The Mets are a decent offense, and he's yeah. getting the time to play at DH, so... Yeah, especially with this DH in the NL. I well, quit a little bit off subject. What do you think? Do you hope they they keep it? I've always been a supporter for the universal DH. I hate watching pitchers bat, and <laughs> I know this is going to get uh, divisive on a lot of the platforms when we put it out. But I've always been a universal DH person. I hate seeing pitchers hit. It's the fact that okay, you're an NL team. I get it. It's part of the strategy. It's part of the way the game has always been played, but why does it have to stay that way? I mean, <laughs> look at Luis Severino getting hurt when he's trying to run the bases or the fact that you have, I mean, pitchers are especially are essentially specialists at this point. And why, why have them run the bases and risk getting hurt? Cause they're going to slide. They're going to try and play the game the hardest they can. But all of a sudden you have Max Scherzer running the bases. I don't think you want him getting hurt when you're paying them 30 something million dollars a year. Yeah. So give me the universal DH plus you get to see a lot of your veteran favorite players stick around a few more years, even if it's not with your NL team, maybe they go to someone in the division or stay in the national league because another team says, Hey, we think you can still hit. Look at Edwin Encarnacion. He's bounced around to teams and he's just a DH, but we get to see him trot the parrot out a few more times every year. I'd love <laughs> to see the DH stay. And especially like Albert Pujols and yes, <laughs> you know, that's really, we've talked about that though in the past. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you'll get those inflated contracts where guys are paid for what they did in the past, but yeah, yeah. in the end, you still get to see these players get to have longer careers and try and build their hall of fame credentials, basically. Well, yep. I completely agree. And now, I mean, we, we're going to look at some pitchers that we think that you should pick up or maybe even take a look at, see if you like them. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Patrick Sandoval of the Angels. Um, looks good. He had his – I mean, it didn't look great against the Dodgers his last start. He had five strikeouts, and um, this week he's going against uh, San Francisco. Um, that's just somebody that I would look at, uh, maybe pick up, especially with that offense behind him. I mean, I think they're doing pretty well. I mean, they have the the, the people there. That's just somebody that – and I think it's going to be a hard week, especially with like COVID tests, just knocking teams out. Like it's hard for us to be able 
to see exactly who to say to pick up because there's so many things, variables with this season to where um, a team might get sick and be out for a week. And then we've said to go pick them up. And now we look, look like we were wrong because of that. So it's just, it's a hard week. It's a hard year to pick up and do streams with, especially with starting pitching being so terrible this year, just in general. Um, I I would say give him a look. Uh, Patrick Sandoval for sure. What do you think about that? I like Sandoval. He's obviously a back end of the rotation guy and a good streamer candidate, especially facing the Giants, even though they've been oddly good. I mean, especially, what is it, Donnie Barrels, as people are calling him, (laughs) or Danny Barrels, whatever it is, Danny Solano. Uh, As good as they've been, I like that. And he's, he's limited his walk so far in the 16 innings that he's thrown. I don't expect it to continue, but if he gives you a 4.0 ERA, it'd still be better than Walker Bueller at this point, even though you're not getting the strikeouts. So I, I like that, especially with the good Angels defense behind him. I think I fully support that one. Yeah, no, definitely. Who's a pitcher that you were looking to pick up or maybe just give some advice to someone that needs some help in that area? For me, it's it's fairly simple here. And if you ha- if you need saves, if you need a relief pitcher, even in a saves hold leagues, go grab Rafael Montero. He's looked really good so far. He seems to have that closer role locked down. As much as I love Jonathan Hernandez and what he's done so far, striking out a lot of players, it seems like Texas is going to stick with Rafael Montero. Five innings pitched, five saves, and six strikeouts. Uh, only he has a .200 whip. So, (laughs) I mean, you'll take the fact that he's given up one hit and no walks in his five innings of work. He's 29 years old, but you know what? Grab those saves while you can because this year so far, I noticed it's been really weird with with relief pitchers. If you look at the guys that have saves and the top relievers, it's not your typical Araldus Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, or any of those guys. It's honestly... You have Drew Pomerantz, who is just absolutely spectacular. I mean, Zach Britton is your top guy with saves and holds. Same with Sergio Romo. But if you need saves, holds, go grab Rafael Montero. He seems pretty secure in Texas. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, especially with 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 Texas having a pretty good season from what I can remember. I mean, I think, what are they? Are they, are they 500? I they've got to be close to it. I haven't fully paid attention to them yeah, just they because are. I've been I've been bouncing yeah. And then after losing to Colorado today, I mean they're gonna have their chances. They've got a good enough offense for it. Yeah, no, I I completely agree as well. Uh, so who's second, your second one? Yeah, my second one is gonna be Martin Perez. Um, I know it's really sketchily, and I just <laughs> actually say that, and then just like I just talked about the Red Sox. Uh, announced their starters for the next series, and he's going against the Yankees tomorrow. Oh. So, yay. I mean, at least there's no Judge or Stanton, so yeah. <laughs> that's a positive <laughs> side of it. And then, so, I mean, I still would maybe give him a look. Uh, he's pitched fairly well. I mean, not for strikeouts. You're not going to get a lot of strikeouts out of him. I mean, 21 innings, 16 strikeouts with a whip of 122. He's 2-2. Two and two. Um but my biggest thing that I was looking up was he's one of the elite leaders in avoiding hard contact and has a really low exit velocity. Um, and so, really, yeah. And so that's somebody that I, I would just maybe throw 
or take a look at, see if maybe they, they he's out there. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's tough to really predict what guys are going to do. We've seen, like you and I were talking before we started recording, Walker Bueller pissing us both off because we I fully endorsed him on this podcast before the season, and he's making me look like an absolute ass. Yeah, I feel but, like all the Dodgers are. I mean, we have uh, Cody's can't get can't hit. He can't Walker. get above the Mendoza line. Which yeah, is the he's problem. literally yeah. The only person is Mookie. He's, but I mean, we knew that was going to happen. But yeah, it's Mookie after all. <laughs> so yeah, I would say um, with them saying Martin Perez or Martin Perez is pitching tomorrow against the Yankees, maybe not. But like we, like I just said, we it's really hard to try to find starting pitching this year. Um, but let's see. You know, we'll. You guys can tweet me tomorrow after the game if he got rocked <laughs> and let me know. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's just somebody that I'm going to ride. And he is going against my boy, Jordan Montgomery. So that's a little unfortunate. What's, but, cra- what's crazy is Perez is giving up a really good launch angle to hitters at 17 degrees, but their exit velo is only 83 miles per hour. I, that's that's weird. <laughs> I know. When I saw that stat, it popped out to me too. And I'm like, how is that possible? But I don't know. Maybe it's because he doesn't throw hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to find his. He's bull. Let's see. 88 miles say, an hour on his cutter, 83 for his changeup, and his fastball is 91. So, yeah, so. He does, yeah, he definitely doesn't get hit hard, not high <laughs> exit below, but he's just giving it up at a good angle. So, yeah, it's very <laughs> strange. But that's somebody that I mean, I'm digging. I mean, I'm digging to find somebody. So I'm going to go with him. And like I said, tweet me, everyone, if. He gets seven runs dropped on him tomorrow and walks five people. Well, but what it's been almost a week since the Red Sox have allowed less than eight runs from their starting pitcher. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I did see that. So let's just, <laughs> let's go with that. And who do you, who would you pick up? For me, it's Pablo Lopez, and it's a guy that he was. A lot of people were sleeping on him a little bit this offseason. I saw some hype for him, but it never really picked up. A lot of that being the fact that he is a Marlin. Uh, we all admit, I know most of us in the fantasy community are not huge on the Marlins. We've seen them poorly run for years. But Pablo Lopez has a lot that's really underlying that's looking really good so far. And it's only been 16, in, 16 innings, I know. It's not the most proven thing just yet this season, but he's upped his K rate by 8%. And a lot of that's due to his changeup. He's getting an almost 50% uh, whiff rate right now. So batters can't hit it. They see it, but they're just swinging and missing the whole time, which is leading to almost a 6% rise in uh, his swinging strike rate up to 17%. I'm sure that's going to come down. He's not a Shane Bieber at this point. He's not a guy that's going to rack up 12 or double-digit strikeouts every time. But he's also similar to Martin Perez, where he's not giving up a lot of hard contact so far in this young season for him, only 84 miles per hour. And while his uh, his Sierra and FIP, which are uh, fielding independent pitching, so if he has an average defense behind him, which I'd say the Marlins are fairly average, he's close to a three ERA. And for a guy that you can grab off the waiver wire right now and can provide you seven or eight strikeouts a game if he goes all nine, you take it, and especially with how bad ratios and how hard they are to keep pretty low this year, Lopez is your guy right now, even if he does play for Florida or Miami. 
I always forget that they are in Miami now. It's all right. I mean, I still do it too all the time. And they're just, they're an awkward case. I mean, they're doing really good right now. So, I mean, they're yeah, missing well. part of the season too. Yeah. They, and they picked up a bunch of guys and they still have uh, their ace. He's not even back yet, or he's coming back soon, I think. Who? Sandy Alcantara. Oh, yeah. That's right. What? He he's, got hurt? No, I think he caught COVID. I think he was one of the players. And he hasn't fully came back yet. And yeah, they did. They did a. Uh, they just got approved for reinstatement after COVID nineteen. Yeah, man, uh, Miguel Rojas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, Miguel they're Rojas. Best was, <laughs> yeah, he was killing the ball before he got caught with the COVID. But I mean, I w- I definitely agree with that too. That's somebody that I've actually off the podcast was looking at for my league, um, picking up Pablo Lopez for sure. Yeah, he's been really good and sneakily so. Even though he doesn't rack up the strikeouts, he's limiting the walks too, which is great. Yeah. So those are some people that we would go pick up. But let's say people that you're just – you're done with. A short season, I'm sick and tired of having them. We'll start with our drops. We'll go with uh, who you think, John. Before we do our drops, I've got to follow this up because – Okay. Last week – you talked about dropping Vlad, and we said we'd follow it up. I'm not going to hold that away from the listeners. <laughs> I was hoping you would forget. <laughs> <laughs> I figured as much. But since then, because it's the best part is we recorded it literally two weeks ago. Fantrax has it up here for me. The past 14 days, 12 hits out of 40 put uh, at-bats, five runs, two home runs, five RBIs, and a 300 batting average. Yeah. So – Good, but not great. You're hoping for more runs and RBIs, but the power is there and the average is there. <laughs> so. You know, I'm glad. I hope he keeps <laughs> shutting me up because I have him. So yeah, I have definitely some some stock in him. So if he keeps shutting me up, I'll take it. Well, maybe, the fact maybe that he's, he's first and third eligible is great now. Yeah, so. maybe he listened to the podcast <laughs> and was like, I'm going to shut Mike up. And you know what? I'll keep talking trash if he keeps putting up the numbers that he's putting up. I'll fully admit most of it was this last week because the uh, all of his counting stats were this last week, but his average and things like that were the previous seven days. So I'll take it. <laughs> He's and at least think making it helps, me look okay. You think it helps being in Buffalo? I think so. I mean, he's... Yeah. It's, it's so hard to tell how much that matters, but he's obviously hit there before. Uh, I've, I'll admit I haven't looked at the Buffalo Stadium uh, field dimensions. Mm-hmm. let's see stadium mlb i've got to imagine though that it's now that they have a home now that they know what they're looking at and they're comfortable there i'd imagine so let's see field dimensions it's not like he was in a bad hitters park anyways no, back no, in Toronto. no i'm just thinking maybe i mean i'm not gonna blame that i mean obviously <laughs> this guy's top oh, so three best <laughs> prospects in baseball I mean, I'm sure it helps considering, at least according to uh, foxsports.com, their center field wall is 385. <laughs> so, and their corners are 330, at least from what I'm looking at here. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say it helps a yeah. good amount considering it's 385. <laughs> so, why don't we get into our actual drops? We wanted to follow that up because I remember debating that one with you. My I did. first. <laughs> I yeah. did say that uh, we would follow up. So, <laughs> but I mean, I was watching him over the last two weeks, and I'm like, maybe he'll forget that I said that. And 
wait. It's all right, though. They have, okay, so that's all screwed up. For some reason, that comes up. That's the London one. I'll have to find that, and we'll follow it up at the end. It's but my, right. first, uh, my first one is Matthew Boyd. Both of these are pitchers for me. And we actually had uh, I had a Twitter thread on this earlier this week where some one of the followers was asking, hey, do I keep Matthew Boyd or Dylan Cease? I said stick with Dylan Cease. I, even though the fastball command wasn't there, there's just something wrong with Boyd right now. And he ended up getting killed against the White Sox where he gave <laughs> up seven earned runs, and he's getting hit hard 44% of the time. The fact that he's on a bad Detroit Tigers team hurts him. And there's a, he has the peripherals to possibly bounce back because he's currently stranding only 54% of base runners where league average in a year is typically about 75%. So it, he has that possibility to bounce back, plus his BABIP is almost 400. But the defense behind him in Detroit doesn't help. He's lost his swinging strike rate. It's down three points. And it's there's just a lot not to like. He doesn't have the strikeouts. His, he's got eight walks to 18 strikeouts. So right now I'm dropping Matthew Boyd at all chances, and I'd rather stream. I'd rather try and just take a chance every day with a different pitcher than sit there and get a headache from that guy. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is they just announced some probables for tomorrow. And do you know who Matt Boyd's pitching against tomorrow? I don't remember. The White Sox. <laughs> uh, I should, oh, should have figured it was going to be there. I mean, yeah. he's gotten killed so many times this year. And the White Sox, they are, they've had great games, and they've had some really bad ones. But with him not having his swing and miss stuff like last year, I'm hoping for another one because the White Sox need the wins when they can get them right now. So just a quick – this is just adding to what you said about Matthew Boyd. So Jose Abreu and his career against – Boyd <laughs> 394 two homers and five RBIs <laughs> Tim and Anderson how many, how many plate appearances 33 oh my God. Tim Anderson 333 <laughs> with a homer and three RBIs uh let's see we got Eloy Jimenez 364 with three homers and 11 at bats <laughs> Uh, James McCann is 375, 375 against him, against him. and Luis yeah, Robert is 333 against him. Yeah, just being this year, but oh man, that <laughs> is great. I, I can't wait for that one now. So definitely drop him, especially because he's, what do we got, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so he'll get another start. Yeah. Maybe if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get cut, you know, like uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike Fultonevich. Mike Fultonevich, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so he that, draws he draws the White Sox and then he draws Cleveland later in the week. But mm, Cleveland's they're still a dangerous team at this point. We've yeah, seen them yeah. put up some runs. So that's just adding on to definitely dropping him. <laughs> so mine is an outfielder, and I want everybody that listens to us that plays Dynasty to maybe pause it for about two minutes because I don't want you to hear this and be like, "Oh my god, oh, I got." I hate this him. so much. I hate this so much, even though it's free draft. So redraft only. One more time, redraft only. Drop Joe Adele. Especially with the season that we have with only being a few more weeks to playoffs. There's other options out there that I would pick up like we uh, kind of talked about earlier with Clint Frazier and Dominic Smith and Anthony Santander. Santander. Um, I mean, he has... He's had a four 
hits at a 22 at bat start, no extra base hits, no walks. His um, he has a negative seven degree launch angle, and it's just me. I'm in my home league. I'm in second place right now, and I want to keep second place. And so I don't need him on my team if he's not going to perform. And like I said, I don't want you to overreact to this and tweet me and say that this guy is the future of baseball because he could be, but just with the season that we have right now, with it being such a short season, I need production now and I don't need him in a redraft team. What do you think about that? I agree. And even when he got called up, we discussed him and I fully admitted the kid has a lot of potential. There's a lot there with power and speed. The hit tool still has to develop some and that's showing so far. He's a really, really raw player, especially he struggled at triple a. So I fully expected some struggles. I didn't, I didn't want it to be this bad. And he may adjust by league's end, but at the like we were talking earlier, we only have so many weeks. Grab a guy that's hot that hits for two more weeks, and it's I wouldn't mind missing out on the Joe Adele breakout if it does come later in the year because you need the production right away. And it sucks, but he's a raw player, and I think he'll be much better in 2021. So at least this adds to his value next year when you can grab him later down the road in your draft. So that does help. Yeah. So like I said, just don't – if like now, hopefully you've joined us back, all the Dynasty listeners, and didn't even hear that part. So I don't want you to <laughs> overreact and be like, why would I drop him? So I saw you have one more pitcher. Who yeah, is that it's Steven Matz as he's a guy I've been off of for the last few years, but he has, he's, he's similar to the game of golf where you get that really awesome game and you want to go back. And then all of a sudden you suck the next two times out, or even you're in the middle of a really great hole. You finish that one out, but then the next four holes, you hit everything to the left and you can't figure out what the hell to do. And Steven Matz is very similar to that of great game, really shitty game, really shitty game. I mean, you look at his last, his first two starts, six innings, one earned run. Second game against Boston, okay, five and a third and three earned runs. Not terrible, but not great. Over the last three starts, he's given up five earned runs, eight earned runs, and six earned runs. That was to Washington, Washington, and Philly. Obviously good offenses but he didn't even make it out of the fifth inning in any of those. And the Mets are even talking about tossing him out of the rotation. It's not the first time they've done it. And he's getting killed by home runs right now. The long ball is absolutely just killing everything he's trying to do. And the biggest thing is this curveball is getting 8% less whiffs than last year. So either players are seeing it better. He's not getting as much movement. And it's Matt's is hard to keep at this point, especially if they're talking about putting in someone else. They may put in, say, Gazelman, put him in there as a long reliever or opener type thing where he goes a couple innings. I don't know what they'll do exactly. Plus, I think the Mets, they've brought up David Peterson, I think his name is. So maybe he gets a shot at the rotation. I mean, who knows? It, they've got options. So Matt's is gone at this point. He's still 78% owned in fan tracks, which I'm surprised at. I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, he's somebody that I've never really been a fan <laughs> of. 
if there was a a group of people that hated him, I think I would be in that group. <laughs> I've never really liked him. I don't know why. I just never been big on him, and yeah, I completely agree to drop him. I never would pick him up. I, I just, just remember the hype between Degrom and uh, Syndergaard and him, and who else was in that rotation at that time? Where it was, you're going to have five aces on the field at one time, or every yeah. every day you're going to have an ace out on the field, and he just <laughs> never seemed to hit that that potential. No. And that's crazy. So, who's your second player that you're going to drop this week? So mine is not only personal because I'm a Giants <laughs> fan, but I mean, it was really uh, not great series for the Giants. It was until the ninth inning of both games. <laughs> until I mean, not today. Today we got flat out destroyed. But Trevor got. Um, I know it's hard to find saves, especially if you punted them at the draft. Um, but I mean, he blew two saves over the weekend. He had nine. He has nine earned runs just this weekend. He only has three strikeouts in seven innings. Um, I mean, it's, it's seriously like, it's terrible. Like you said earlier, go see if you can get Rafael Montero. I mean, he's definitely a better situation, but I'm dropping Trevor Gott. I really don't have a lot of stock in him originally, but like, like I said, if you punted the saves category at the draft, you probably took him because I mean, it's a closer on an MLB baseball team. But it's just somebody that I'm getting rid of. We did read a report um, that Gabe Kapler still trusts him, but that doesn't mean I trust him. So, yeah. And Gabe Kapler has not been one to make the best decisions, anyway. Oh, that's that's an understatement to say at least. Look at that Phillies mess that he had. Yeah. So, I mean, he could say all he wants. He's going to trust him, but I, I still think Tony Watson should be the closer. I said earlier, earlier podcast to go get uh, Rogers, and that doesn't look like that's going to pay off. It might just be our bullpen is terrible, which I mean it is. But what do you think about Trevor Gott? I was I almost picked him up earlier this week because of the fact that uh, he was getting saves. Somebody else beat him, beat me to him, so I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. But. It, the submarine delivery is always tough. I feel like those guys are always inconsistent. Even if he does keep the, the job, it's not worth it. The fact that he can get blown up so easily always makes it tough. And he's got right now. I usually don't do the K per nine or walks per nine because if you strike out a guy in one inning, but you give up three runs, it's all the same. But right now he's giving up six walks per nine and he has less than four strikeouts per nine. Yeah. Not great, Bob. It's it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, no, he's it's just the whole bullpen in San Francisco is pretty bad. I don't okay. I had Tyler Rogers pulled up. He's the submariner. I don't know why I thought Gott was. Yeah, but, Rogers uh, is the yeah. submariner and God I, th- I think might as well be. Gott just doesn't have a whole lot. He never really has in his career. I would say if you can go get Rogers, try it again. It's not been great, and they've got some really tough teams between the Dodgers, the Rockies. Obviously, the athletics, the angels—it's—it's <laughs> it's hard. But try and find someone else if you can. And it's regardless of what Kapler says, there's no way Gott should keep that job at all, yeah. at all. <laughs> but yeah, that's no. all for our show. We did cut off the starts and sits. We wanted to give you guys a little bit more in-depth research for everything to give you guys a little bit more quality. But because of that, we will start doing uh, sits and starts daily. 
at least the best that we can. We will be putting them out from either our personal accounts or the podcast account. You can find our podcast at Double Switch Pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at DadSox, D A D S O X, as a White Sox fan, of course. And we will be putting out daily content for you there as well. That way we can give you guys a little bit more quality here rather than stretching ourselves thin. And where can they find you, Mike, on Twitter? Yeah, they can find me at B-E-A-R-S-F-A-N-5233, which is BearsFan5233. And um, I post, I'm going to start posting a lot more. And like you said, we're going to do the starts and what, what do you want to do starts and sits or do you want to just do starts of the, of the day? I feel like we might do starts or at least streams. I think that would be a good idea. We each toss out two or try and find two or three between us and do starts, see how long we can get a streak going. Cause that's yeah. the toughest part is finding the right streams for everyone, but it, hey, I think we year. can do it. I mean, we've had some good calls so far, so let's see if we can keep it up and, being able to put it out and on Twitter, it allows us to keep up with the weird scheduling that we've had. I mean, between the Cardinals missing two and a half weeks, the Marlins, like you said, losing Sandy Alcantara for two weeks is tough. And then the Reds, who knows how long they miss this year? Uh, Hopefully not a lot because that's a really good team that I'd hate to see get screwed like the Cardinals did. So. Yeah. And always remember to, send us mailbag questions. I mean, we would love to do a whole episode with a bunch of mailbag questions. You can send them to John, you can send them to me, or we would love for you to send them to the actual Twitter at double switch pod on, on Twitter. That would be awesome too. So always feel free to ask us questions, even if it's something quick, like who would you play about 10 minutes before the game? Most of the time I'm checking lineups and two hours before the game starts. So I have my, teams in so always feel free to to tweet us and let ask us any questions absolutely i'm always watching my twitter especially at night you'll see me talking about different games that are going on different players i'm watching in them so any questions i've got a few people that always ask so i'm glad to help so if i've got nothing else for this one i'm this one felt a lot better we were able to get deeper into it we didn't i didn't feel rushed at least so (laughs) i think we're finding our groove yeah definitely but For everyone else out there, peace out. Have a good rest of your night, and let's hopefully get the schedule going and keep everyone healthy. Yeah, everyone have a good week, and uh, hopefully these pitching prospects, or not even just prospects, (laughs) just the people we're telling you to pick up work and people we tell you to drop, drop, and let's hope Vladdy has a worse week. (laughs) Good night. Good night.